the Lord be in my mouth and my heart that I may proclaim the Holy Gospel of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. And at that very time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way that they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Of those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you'll all perish just as they did. And then Jesus told them a parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. And so he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it waste the soil? And he replied, Sir, let it alone one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. And if it bears fruit the next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The gospel of the Lord. And so, Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we pray that we would hear not just the words of men, but the words of God. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I want to take that as my text this morning from Luke's gospel, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. If you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page, page um, 1037. Luke's Gospel, chapter 13, and beginning at verse 1. And so Jesus tells us uh, in our reading that repentance is for everybody. That repentance is for everybody. Now, repentance in the Greek, metanoia, literally means to think again. Uh, or if you like it, it means uh, to, to, to change your mind. Uh, practically speaking, to repent means to, to turn, to, uh, and that thoughtfully and deliberately from everything that you know to be wrong, and to turn and to commit yourself to God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what it means to repent. And Jesus says this morning that repentance is for everyone. And he says, and not just for those who, who we imagine to be worse sinners than ourselves. Repentance is for everyone. Indeed, notice again, beginning in our text at verse 1. It says, and there were some present at that very time. That is, that there were some there where Jesus was ministering and teaching uh, in Judea. And they told Jesus, continuing on there, they told Jesus about the Galileans, interestingly enough. They probably were Galileans themselves who were reporting about what happened to the Galileans. Jesus himself was from the Galilee, as were all of his disciples except Judas, who came from Judea. 
They told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. That is, some Galileans, some Galilean Jews had come to the temple in Jerusalem to worship. And while they were worshiping in the temple, which would have involved animal sacrifice, Pilate, the Roman governor, who was governor during the ministry of public ministry of Jesus, this Pilate, the Roman governor, sent soldiers into the temple and they murdered these Galileans. Uh, which resulted, of course, in their blood being shed and their blood, as those who were reporting to Jesus said, mingled with the blood of the animals that they were sacrificing while they were worshiping. Now, this was all in keeping with what Pilate was wont to do. He was a cruel tyrant. In fact, this is only but one example of the way in which he carried out abuse and terror in Judea. But Jesus answers them after they give their report. In verse 2 he said, and do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered in this way? And Jesus poses this question because the truth of the matter was that this was a common view. That God judges sinners and that bad things happen to bad people. And so if uh, people suffer like this, they're bad. And if I'm not suffering like they are suffering, then I must be good. And so that's why Jesus poses this question. And what does Jesus say in answer to his own question? Notice verse 3. He says, no, that's not true. They weren't worse sinners. No, I tell you... <laughs> And unless you repent, he brings it all back to them. Jesus had a habit of doing that, by the way. Jesus, the people would come to Jesus and say, what about them? And he says, well, what about you? Let's talk about you. They're not here. <laughs> so let's deal with who's here, who happens to be you. No, they weren't worse sinners. And unless you repent, Jesus says, you likewise will perish. And then Jesus has a, an example of his own, of which they would have all been aware. Verse 4, and, and what about those 18 of whom the Tower of Siloam had fallen and killed? And so what happened uh, with Pilate when he murdered, that was an act that, that of cruelty that resulted and, and was the cause of malice. But now Jesus says, and what about this accidental thing? Or those 18 on, on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will likewise all perish. And Jesus is saying, now, you're sinners too whether you realize it or not. And lots of times we don't realize it. In fact, this is what helps us not realize it because we're constantly comparing ourselves with other people that we imagine to be worse than ourselves. Have you ever been at the checkout at the grocery store? Right? They know you're going to have to look. 
well, you know, am I going to go ahead and buy a couple candy bars? Oh, I need some chewing gum and maybe some breath mints. And then look what's going on in Hollywood and look at what's going on in Washington, D.C. and all these terrible people and all of their faults and all of their sins. Well, <clears throat> at least I'm not as bad as they are. <clears throat> and so I don't see my sins, I just see theirs. But Jesus is saying, no, you're sinners too, whether you realize it or not. And he says, and unless you repent of your sins and make things right with God, and walk in his ways, you too will die, he says. Perhaps not in the same catastrophic way, but if you die in your sins because you fail to repent and make things right with God, you too will die. That is, God's judgment will come and you will be separated from him forever. And so Jesus says that repentance is for everyone and not just for those that we imagine are worse sinners than ourselves. Indeed, repentance is for everyone, including us. And Jesus is adamant about it. Did you notice? He says it twice. In verse 3 and in verse 5. Twice he says, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. And still, according to Jesus, God is patient with us when we don't repent. But he says God's patience has a limit. Notice again, beginning at verse 6, and Jesus told this parable. He said, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit. As you would imagine, you have fruit trees maybe in your own backyard, and you go out there when it's time for them to, to, to be harvested and you go, your lemons and your avocados and whatever it is. We had lemon trees and they're gone. The frost got them and so I guess we're going to have avocado trees. now. So I've been told. <laughs> he said a man had a, fr a, fr a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, the one who was managing his his vineyard, look, for three years now, <laughs> I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I've, I, I find none. Cut it down. He says he's completely tired of it. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? Let's plant something else. <laughs> but the vine dresser answered him, Sir, let's let it alone this, this, this year until I dig around it and put some manure and if it should bear fruit next year, well, great. But if not, we'll cut it down. In the Old Testament scriptures, the fig tree and the vineyard are common metaphors for the people of God. The covenant community, or what, as we would put it today, the church. The owner of the vineyard is God. And as Jesus tells the story, God uh, was, has planted within his vineyard this fig tree representing an individual or individuals amongst his people. This fig tree had been in the vineyard for quite some time. Doing a little research, apparently um, in the fourth year after a fig tree is planted is usually when it begins to 
uh, begins to sprout and, and bear fruit, figs. And, and what he's saying is here that uh, I checked on it in the fourth year, in the fifth year, in the sixth year. And there's still nothing. All this, these years, this tree, this person <laughs> in my vineyard is bearing no fruit, no real spiritual fruit. And year after year, God comes and there's nothing there. And so exasperated, God would destroy the tree and throw it out of the vineyard. But the vine dresser, Jesus says, says, um, uh, let's give it another year. He, he intercedes. In fact, uh, I don't know who the vine dresser represents. Represents the prophet, represents Jesus, somebody that's speaking on God's behalf and someone that God has put in charge of his vineyard. In fact, this would happen. You remember Moses, God was so angry with the children of Israel after he had brought them out of Egypt. And he says, I'm going to wipe them out and start a new nation with you. And Moses said, don't do that, Lord. Give them another chance. And that's what's happening here. So let's give them another chance, this, this fruitless tree. And let's do more. <laughs> we'll do more. We'll do more than what we've done. He says, uh, I'm going to dig around it so that the water can better access its roots. And, and I'll fertilize it. I'll, I'll feed it, Lord. <laughs> I'll give them more of the word of God. <laughs> and they'll, they'll hear and they'll be changed and they'll be transformed. And if that doesn't work, then, Lord, you can cut it down and cast it out of your vineyard. In the third chapter of this same Gospel of Luke, we read the words of John the Baptist, who during his ministry said this, Luke 3 and verse 9, And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees, and every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And so Jesus says that God is patient when we don't repent, when we don't bear the spiritual fruit that he's looking for in us. But he also says that God's patience is limited. And Jesus seems to be suggesting in a not-so-subtle way that it would be a foolish thing to take God's grace and patience for granted. John Stott, in his book, The Cross of Christ, wrote this. He said, it's partly because sin doesn't provoke our wrath that we don't believe that sin provokes the wrath of God. But Jesus says that that would be a dangerous presumption. No matter how many in God's vineyard happen to be making it. Indeed, how many years has God been checking on you checking on me to find the spiritual fruit he's looking for, the fruit of repentance, the fruit of a transformed life. 
the fruit of commitment to his lordship over every aspect of our lives. To love him, the Lord our God, with all of our heart, not part of it, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. And if you haven't ever really done that, made that kind of a complete and total commitment, perhaps today is the day. Why not? <laughs> Will you do it? Because Jesus says repentance is for everybody. <laughs> Let us pray. Lord, cultural Christianity is so pervasive that we might imagine that if we were engaging in it, that we would be engaging in the, in the, in, in the, in the, the genuine thing. That, but as we read the scriptures and we read what Jesus says, as we read about the life of the apostles, the early church, as we read about what the apostles said and did, it seems an awfully stark contrast. In fact, sometimes we read it, it makes us feel uncomfortable. But why is it that we're feeling uncomfortable? Is it perhaps because we, ha we, have, we have clung to and are pursuing a counterfeit rather than the real thing? And some of the things that are descriptive of the real thing we say, but they don't seem to take root in our hearts and bear fruit in our lives. We say it, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and your neighbor just the way that you love yourself. And we say, isn't that nice? But then maybe we don't do it. And where does that put us? And Jesus says, it's not somebody else's problem. It's our problem, and unless you repent, you shall also perish. And so, Lord, uh, even in this season of Lent, when we more often than at other times think about such sobering things, may we really give our heart and mind to this, and not only just think about it, but respond to it and bear the kind of fruit that you're looking for in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.